Hello coders, welcome to episode 160 of the How to Code Well podcast. When you get this, it'll be probably the 9th of June on Thursday. Today I want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, uh, let's talk about the changelog actually before we dive into the other things because it's a little bit a little bit of a mix today, I think. So on the changelog this week, I have been playing around with TypeScript in the sense of just watching videos, just sort of absorbing knowledge, if you will, of TypeScript, because I think TypeScript uh, is probably the way to go, if for me at least, uh, for JavaScript on the front end of howtocodewell.net and on the podcast howtocodewell.fm. I, it's, this is all around the whole mono repo that we're creating. I've moved the podcast into the mono repo now. So we have essentially got a bunch of websites or applications in this single repository. And I'm starting to look at this repository in the way of sort of an abstract kind of way of, you know, how can we, how can we condense these build tools and use the same thing, the same settings for all the, all the various, uh, applications that are in this repository. And one thing is JavaScript is so weakly typed, obviously, just by standard, um, that it would be nice to bring this into the pipeline uh, and have some actual type safety going on there and also work with uh, build tools for Java, specifically for JavaScript. We, we are using JavaScript quite lightly. It's actually used more in the content management system than it is on the actual front end. Um, but it's just, there's that. And there's the other reason of, I just want to scratch an itch and actually see what is all the, the what, what, how good it is. I have used other uh, JavaScript uh, type safe stuff before. I've used, is it called Flow? I haven't used it in a long, long time. It's that thing uh, built, I believe, by Facebook. Uh, someone in the chat will probably, in the comments, will, will correct me there. But I was playing with that, I think, um, about a year ago, maybe two years ago. Uh, and it's okay. It, it kind of, I kind of just left it to be honest, but the type safety of TypeScript and I've been hearing all sorts of really good things. And also I've been noticing, uh, jobs, uh, more jobs request TypeScript instead of JavaScript. So instead of having JavaScript on the job description, they have TypeScript. Yeah. So yeah, just to say that I know it, um, I wouldn't mind playing around with it. And we'll be doing this on stream as well. So that's pretty cool. So that's coming up. Um, I've also been playing around in the evenings with Kubernetes on um, on the, the Linode host. And it's uh, the LKE cluster I've been playing around with. So far, so good. Um, yeah, I am wanted to move away from AWS if I can. And um, I was just having a little play around with Linode and playing around with the, the way in which they have Kubernetes uh, the Kubernetes clusters. And I was using Terraform for that as well. It went okay. It went perfectly fine. So we're probably going to be going down that road for the whole deployment phase. I mentioned that last time. Uh, we're in the deployment phase of the staging uh, site of howtocodewell.net. We've also added the podcast in. I did that last week. That was last weekend, I believe. Uh, or was it? We had the Jubilee weekend, so I didn't stream on Sunday. So I think I did it on the Friday or the Thursday or even the Saturday. I can't even I can't even remember what I had for my breakfast this morning. So anyway, we moved the podcast site into the mono repo. Um, and so that's going to be kicking about in one of the clusters that I'm playing around with. Um, but we haven't got to that point yet. So again, another thing that I might play around with on stream 
who knows? I have an update to the HP Dev 1 laptop. When I discussed about, when I talked about it last time in the last show, I mentioned that it um, it was only for like pre-orders at the minute. And I mentioned that there wasn't any um, information on the IO stuff. Typically, as soon as I released that podcast, <laughs> they released the information of those things. So it's got, as I as as I thought, it's got sixty four gigabytes of uh, of RAM. That is what you can um, add to. There's two DIMM slots in this laptop, and it comes with sixteen gigabytes as standard. But you can upgrade it to sixty four gigabytes of RAM, which is for me brilliant. Um, they have released their information on the I/O, so I'll just go through those quickly. So there's two. They're calling it Super Speed USB Type C, 10 gigabyte signaling rate, um, and USB power delivery ports, and a Display Port 1.4. There's also, which is very strange to me, two. They call it Super Speed uh, USB Type A, 5 gigabyte, uh, 5 Gbps signaling rate ports as well. One can be used for charging. Why USB type A? I have no idea why we don't just use type C. Um, There's also a headphone stroke microphone combo and a HDMI port as well and uh, an AC power port as well. Why you would want an AC power port when you can charge with USB type C and even if I'm reading this right USB type A, I don't know. To me, I would prefer no USB type A's, all the USB type C's I can possibly fit. Um, I have one, so for example, the way I work, I have one port specifically for my YubiKey, right? So that's just one port consumed. So whenever someone brings out a laptop and they've only got two USB C ports, I'm like, well, that's to me, that's just the one because one is already going to be constantly used. And if I'm using the other one to power, then I kind of need a third one, right? F- to putting in any kind of uh, accessories and stuff. But my accessories these days are not USB type A. <laughs> anyway, I still want one, but I don't understand about the ports. That doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, WWDC was out this week. And yes, I have thoughts on that. I did watch it. I have actually written down a whole bunch of notes on it, um, but I'm I'm still trying to digest it. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people who go, "Oh, WDC isn't for developers anymore, and it's just for like a marketing sort of mouthpiece type thing. Look at what we can do. Look, you know, our keep our investors happy and all that stuff." WWDC is supposed to be for developers, um, and I do feel that there is a development core um, theme that goes through in WWDC. So I don't think it's all about marketing stuff. But anyway, in terms of the features that they announced, I do have thoughts. So I might I might talk about those next week, but I, I really would like to see these things and I would like to sort of think about them a little bit more than rather than jump in and give you kind of like a, a reaction piece to it um, because that's not the way I do things, to be honest. Speaking of... WWDC. One thing I will say, I mean, to be honest, everybody who gets this will know what happened in WWDC, you know, in terms of just seeing the the feature set that they have. So you would know, it's no spoiler, that they would have the M2 out. Um, and that's quite interesting because there is a project that I was reading today on the, um, 
this morning and it's called the, if I can just get this right, bear with me a minute, M1 Windows Project. It's a very ambitious project, right? And it's it's a project about bringing Windows to the M1 chip. And it's a project made by, I'm going to butcher this name, a Mario guy, right? A Mario guy. I've, I'll put links in the show notes to this uh, Git uh, repo or this Git page. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm not a Windows guy, right? I'm not a Windows guy, but I like the thought of having the power of M1 on other things. So I've kept half an eye on the projects that are happening happening with Linux and M1. So that's quite interesting. And I wonder going forward, right? I wonder if going forward, if, if Apple are going to put any blockers in the way in terms of even hardware blockers in the way to prevent these things from happening, these projects from happening. Um, so it's a very ambitious project. Hats off to a Mario guy. Um, that's not his real name. That's just his GitHub handle. So uh, yeah, go and check that out. That's um, be nuts. If that could happen, that'd be crazy. Let's talk about PHP versions. This is the last thing I want to discuss today. PHP versions. I read an article. I'm not going to and say what the article was because it was a bit kind of like, really? And they were talking about the PHP versions the the way that there are more people on lower versions than than the higher versions and and how bad that is for the PHP ecosystem. In my opinion, that's all baloney. To be honest, it's very tricky to decipher what is at what version of PHP because um, you can't you just can't tell from a website, right? You can't tell from the headers of the requests what is the version of PHP is running. You can do a little bit of sort of discovery work in terms of knowing what server version they're on. And then from that, you could work out, say, what package version of PHP is installed by default. But then you're making so many leaps of assumptions there. The only real way of getting some guideline, and again, this is just a very guide you know, it's just a guideline. You can't, you can't say that this is the exact figure is in my opinion, looking at packagist because packagist has a statistics page. I'll put it in the links in the show notes below packagist.org forward slash PHP statistics. And those statistics are about the, the PHP version constraints of the packages that are being required, right? So the more uh, constraints that have changed to say PHP 8, 8.1 compared to like 5, 6, and the more people downloading those packages and, and so forth. So package installations by PHP minor versions. I have the figures from the monthly uh, uh, graph that they have here. So for instance, 39% uh, is on 7.4. Now, please note anybody who's running 7.4. 7.4 has a security support up to the 22nd, I believe. No, 28th, sorry. 28th of November, uh, 2022, this year. Uh, 23% is on 8.1. 21% is on 8.0. But again, take this with a very high, a big grab of, of salt here because this is only going by the packagist uh, statistics and they can only get those based on the installs. I know full well that there are 
projects out there that don't even use packages, right? So PHP applications out there that don't use Composer. And, and so they, they're, they're in their own sort of little bubble, this own little world, and they'll be outside of these stats. So it's a very, it, is, it is incredibly difficult to get a handle as to how many uh, websites run on PHP 8 versus PHP 7 versus PHP 5. Personally, as a contractor, I'm still dabbling, dabbling in the very old school PHP sites. Um, so there we go. That's what I wanted to talk about today. I know it's been super quick, but uh, that's, uh, that's it. Thank you ever so much for watching. If you've got any comments, if you've got any opinions on, on uh, the M1 Windows project or the packages PHP versions, or even if you're considering getting the HP Dev 1, let me know at howtocodeworld.fm forward slash contact. Thank you ever so much. Happy coding, everyone. And I'll see you again next time. Cheers. Bye-bye.